0: feel very strongly that miscarriage is just an issue that's not talked about nearly enough in society and not even just amongst family and friends, but it's hardly ever mentioned in the workplace. Yet, if it happens to a woman can have such a, you know, a big effect on both physical and mental health. And earlier this year in the summer, I was pregnant again, really excited to be having a second child. And when we went for our 12 week scan, I'd had what's called a missed miscarriage, which meant that the baby had died, but there were no sort of obvious signs of that. A very warm welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast.
1: My name is Verena Hefty. I'm the CEO and founder of Leaders Plus, an award-winning social enterprise dedicated to supporting leaders with babies and with young children to continue to progress their careers. All too often new mums and dads tell me they feel they need to choose between their career aspirations and enjoying their young children. And I just think it shouldn't have to be this way and it doesn't have to be this way. that's why I set up a fellowship programme for leaders with Babies, which includes senior leader mentors, career development support, general support with work-life balance and so on. But I realised that actually, The role models that we speak to on the programme have so much more to offer and I want a wider group of people to be able to access them than can actually sit in the room during the fellowship programme. So that's why I set up this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Susanna Hardiman, who is the CEO and founder of the award-winning Social Enterprise Action Tutoring, which has grown from zero to I think about 20 or more employees in the last few years and has started a young family in the meantime and is a Leaders Plus Fellow 2018 as well. So delighted to have the excuse to chat to you through this podcast and sit down in your lovely living room here. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Susanna. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with you sharing with the listeners a bit about who you are, what your role is, who your family is and how you got here.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for asking me to join your podcast today. So I'm Susanna. I'm the founder and chief executive of Action Tutoring. And Action Tutoring is an educational charity. And we work with disadvantaged young people across England to support them in their English and maths to try and ensure that they achieve at least the national standards in English and maths to equip them to progress to further education, employment or training. And we do all of that through an amazing network of volunteer tutors. I started the organization in 2012. We started working with just two schools. In London. We now work with 80 schools across the country and have a staff team of 28. So it's changed hugely and grown very rapidly in the time since we launched. In my personal life, I have a little boy called Joshua, who's now two and four months and full of boundless energy. And stepping away from action tutoring for maternity leave was quite a big step. Many people commented that I was leaving my first baby behind to go and have my first real one. So that's been quite a journey over the last couple of years. And you work four days a week. Because I- Right, and your partners as well? Yes, that's right. So, when I returned from maternity leave, I agreed with my board that I wanted to return four days a week. And luckily, my husband was also very keen to do the same, and his employer was also amenable to that. So, we both work four days a week, allowing us to have one day during the week with our little boy, and he's with a wonderful childminder the remaining three days. And that setup for us works incredibly well. It feels very equal. We both understand what it's like to be juggling work pressures, but we also So understand what it's like to be negotiating with a toddler during the day, and to be managing the day-to-day of home life as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, as you know, Dean and I—we have the same setup, and I couldn't agree more. It's somehow for us anyways it made it a lot more equal because you do have these you know the day-to-day fight with the washing machine or whatever <laughs> you need to do in your day off yeah it, it's shared and so the re- and actually the relationship as well I think my children now especially the older one uh, she definitely has a good relationship if not better with my partner in, in, you know this morning as I'm sure for many
0: other people like it was all please daddy take me to nurse me and mommy go away <laughs> so- we have most definitely seen that too and that for me actually has been one of the real joys of our setup not that my son now pushes me away but that he does want his dad as much if not more as he wants me and seeing the way their bond really grew so the first nine months I was full-time at home with Joshua and it was at that nine-month point that I started transitioning back to work and Tom started having him a day a week but it made a really noticeable difference in their bond and their relationship and it didn't take too long before Tom was commenting that actually perhaps days at work were easier than the days uh, at home with Joshua and that realisation that one isn't necessarily easier or harder than the other they're both different they're both wonderful experiences in their own way but each have their own challenges Mm. and you said you
1: convinced your board of trustees and I'm just really interested in that before you went on maternity leave were you already clear in your head that you were going to go for four days or how did you have the conversation with your board about this
0: Yeah, I was certainly clear that I didn't want to go back five days a week. and wasn't quite sure what appetite there might be for flexibility around that. And actually, it wasn't until I started having the conversation with my board that it then raised the question for us of actually, well, maybe Tom could have a day a week as well with Joshua. The word convinced is perhaps a little bit too strong. They were actually very amenable to the idea of me doing four days a week. And a key way we were, I was able to sort of pitch it was that at the time uh, we didn't have a head of finance and operations. And that was a role that I could see the organisation was going to need before terribly long anyway. So actually some of the work that I had been doing on that sort of fifth day then fell into the job description of the the head of finance and operations, which we then recruited when I returned from maternity leave. So that worked quite well in terms of sort of agreeing what parts of my role would get removed from the job description to make sure I wasn't just trying to do five days of work in four and how we would position things a little bit differently. So if you have any CEO friends who are about to
1: have a baby and go on share parental leave or maternity leave. Is there anything else that you would tell them about how to start the setup of whatever they want to do, four days or some other flexible working arrangement?
0: I think it's really worth having those conversations early because it can take a while to arrange, cover or agree what's going to look different. And I do think it is really important if you're going to try and do four days a week that there is some agreement about what in your current remit on five days a week you are going to remove from your role. A lot of people I spoke to warned me against four days because they said well what happens is you just end up doing five days and four and being more squeezed than ever and you don't necessarily drop some of your workload so that was that was very key for me in recruiting that new role that would pick up some of that work to work out what would look differently but I think sitting down and and working out well what is it that you uniquely can do versus what somebody else could be doing in your job description is a good way to look at it.
1: Mm, yeah I think that's very good advice and also obviously there are people out there like you, like uh, Elizabeth, who is the chief executive also is a real pioneer in being a a mum at the, heading up an organisation and reaching out to those examples and Mm. uh, not not to say everyone needs to reach out to you. (laughs) I sought (laughs) Elizabeth's advice
0: before I went on maternity leave. She had some good tips for me. Mm. Do you still remember any particular advice either from her or from someone else that really influenced how you handled things? I think being really clear in your own head about what it is you'd like before you start having conversations with your board about it. So to know what it is that you're asking for. I think it really helps if you can go in with a proposal of what you want to look differently. What are the the bits of your job that you're still really keen to champion and lead? And what are the bits that perhaps you feel could be redistributed elsewhere? And I think being clear about how you want that day off to look. So in my role, I accepted that there might be occasions when I would need to be contacted on a Friday on my day off, but had quite a clear list of what I thought those reasons were when I should be contacted for everybody to sort of agree to Mm. so that there was clear understanding around that. In our case, it's really if there's anything that would pose a reputational damage, perhaps a safeguarding issue or a major HR issue, something like that. But if it can wait till Monday, then I encourage the team to leave it for Monday but there is an understanding that I have with the team and with the board that there may be occasions where I do need to be contacted on my day off. It's pretty rare though.
1: Mm. And do you think as a result of changing your approach has the way that you apart from just the practical stuff of not doing the finance things has the way how you do your CEO role changed and has the way that the,
0: the senior leadership team works changed? I think it's had a number of really positive effects actually. I think it's made me more efficient and it's enabled me to get better clarity over what the priorities are. If you've only got four days a week, then thinking through how I spend each of those as wisely and as valuably as possible for the organisation. It's really sort of sharpened my focus on that. And actually, in some ways, I felt empowered to say no to things that perhaps in the past I would have said yes to more readily. And I think it's also actually enabled others in the team to step up a little bit more because I am a bit firmer about what my priorities are and what the best use of my time is. That's actually given others permission to make more decisions without consulting me or to get on with leading projects that perhaps I might have led on in the past. So I hope my senior team would say that they've seen some positive effects for them as well. Mm.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I think you were part of that consultation we did with the recruitment firm society and charity CEOs who had young children. And that thing came through so strongly that actually it shouldn't be a bad thing having a baby. Well, obviously it shouldn't be. But (laughs) from, you know, from an employer perspective, it's actually an opportunity because you really evolve your thinking, especially if you're in a senior role, you quite often have to become more strategic because you just can't afford to be over every detail so you need to think much more structured how you're going to monitor performance how you're going to support your team through that rather than looking over their shoulder which anyways is not what they probably appreciate so yeah that's really interesting to hear and you and I we had some conversations recently about workload and I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you've learned or that you've implemented to manage a workload in a very senior role? Is there anything you can say about that?
0: Yeah, I think for a while I struggled returning from maternity leave to know exactly what was best use of my time and I think there's a feeling in my kind of role that how long is a piece of string you know how do you know when you've finished you don't necessarily just complete a project and then it's done you know there's always more I could be doing to try and attract new corporate partnerships or to try to bring in new schools or to develop the team it's hard to know when the job is definitely finished but it really helped for me to work out some incredibly clear objectives to really sharpen my thinking on well what might actually be reasonable and feasible to achieve in a six-month, 12-month, two-year period and to really be able to work towards those. I'd say some of those have been agreed fairly broadly with the board but probably the detail of them I needed to actually just sit down and and work out for myself to have a really clear plan of what I was trying to achieve. Um, Obviously there's the day-to-day work and the things that just have to be dealt with on the spot but for me it's those bigger pieces of how we build the organisation's brand and profile and awareness of what we're doing that feel like they could just go on and on and on if I don't try and put some kind of parameters and strategy around that in order to manage that and doing that particularly over the, the sort of summer has actually given me a bit more freedom this term to feel that I can sort of work within a reasonable number of hours while still feeling that I'm moving those wider pieces of work further forward. Mm. And I love that.
1: So it sounds like you at the moment you're seeing your role as moving the organisation forward to the future and the day-to-day running as long as there are no crises should
0: be happening elsewhere. Is that... Absolutely. As far as possible. (laughs) That's definitely how I try and see it. And I I think that's part of what I was talking about, empowering the team that actually I'm not as involved in the day-to-day delivery as I used to be. I might be in the bigger strategic decisions about our program design or any significant changes we're taking, but I absolutely trust my brilliant team to get on with the day-to-day delivery. And I've got all sorts of dashboards to track whether that's on track that I can check in with people but I don't need to be looking over their shoulder mm. um, the whole time and that's really freed me up to be thinking about the long-term vision for the organisation and to be trying to do that more sort of external facing piece, building our profile and mm. reputation.
1: Yeah, you've been doing really well. You were at a Labour Party conference uh, speaking and similar opportunities which is brilliant so part of the spirit of why I set up this podcast is because so as you know I love doing the fellowship it gives me so much energy to be in a room with all of you and it has been a real privilege to have you as part of the group but I just wanted to make sure that we bring some of the things that we talk about to people who maybe can't be in that room is there anything that you've learned from others on the course or anything from that course that really has made an impact on your day on how you if, uh, obviously, if there's not, I haven't actually reminded you that, but I would be asking this question. So if there isn't, then yeah, please be honest.
0: I mean, I think one of the things I loved most about the fellowship was that people came from such a variety of sectors and different backgrounds. But one of the things that really stood out to me hearing everybody's stories of their different setups with their partners and with their children was that there's not one right way to do this. You know, I talked at the beginning about my husband and I both working four days a week and how that works incredibly well for us, but I certainly don't think that would necessarily be the right setup. And there were people on the fellowship working full time, people with nannies, people with child minders, people with grandparent support, people working part time. And I think, you know, so often society can be very judgmental about the choices women Make or families make around their childcare but it just really struck me on the fellowship that everybody was just trying to do their absolute best both for their work and their children but there wasn't a one size fits all to that. And I think I just really encourage people to feel a sense of freedom in that, that you need to do what feels right for you and your family. It's great to look at examples of how others are working things. And I took real inspiration from talking to other families about how they were managing their setups, but there isn't a one size fits all. And I think the other thing that really struck me is, you know, you just think you've got it cracked for a six month period and then something changes. Your child minder leaves or it's time to move on to nursery or they start school and then you don't have the full hours from sort of eight till six. 6pm and you're dealing with wraparound care and that it's this is a constant sort of evolutionary process of trying to figure out the right balance you're never going to reach a point of sort of thinking I've got it completely nailed and that's that for the next 10 years it's always going to be evolving and needing ongoing conversations with both your partner your family set up and your employer Mm, that's very true that's very true I know that you ask for a pay
1: rise during your maternity leave <laughs> and I really want to talk to you about it because I think we just don't talk about money enough and we don't, unfortunately having children for a woman has a really big impact on pay mm. and I just don't think it should be like that. Uh, it obviously has a really big impact on career progression, which is why I set up Leaders Plus in the first place. But from your perspective, can you tell me a bit about your story with pay? And anything you've learned along the way?
0: Yeah, so it was really within the first couple of months of coming back to work after I had my little boy. So the first three months, I came back just two days a week, which for me was a really lovely transition back into work. And then after three months when my little boy was a year old, I stepped back up to to four days a week. And it was at that point that I realised that my pay hadn't been reviewed by the board for three years, largely my fault because I hadn't asked for it, but that actually in that three-year period, the organisation had doubled in size, both in terms of annual turnover and in terms of staff headcount. And during my maternity leave, I'd used my keeping in touch days to work on our strategy for the next three years, which was only going to see further growth. So I just sort of gently raised this with the chair and asked if it might be possible for my salary to be reviewed. One of our funders was, very helpfully able to provide some information of similar sized charities working in the same sort of education space and what the sort of benchmarks for CEO pay were within that which she was able to provide to the board. I didn't actually go in asking for a specific figure maybe some people would but I chose not to we just presented the data to them of where we sort of sat in line with similar organisations and I asked them to consider it and they did and they did come back with a pay rise which I was very grateful for but I think it worked quite well, framing it in the context of how the organization had grown and was going to continue to grow, and my role within that, keeping it really focused on my job and my skills and what I was bringing to the organization rather than specifically about now I've got all these big childcare costs or anything like that. What gave you the confidence
1: to ask, literally, just as you were returning back? from
0: maternity leave? The honest answer is leaders plus. (laughs) They didn't prime you to say that. I know you didn't prime me to say that, but I guess inevitably during the course of the fellowship people did talk about pay and pay rises and the cost of childcare quite a lot and a few people who knew a bit more about action tutoring and the story and the story of our growth said you know I really think this would be a good moment for you two. and actually in some ways it was perhaps almost easier to ask it as I was coming back and we were resetting the agenda than to wait till I'd been there six months and then sort of raise the question back up it sort of felt like well let's just tackle everything all at once and get a really good setup right from the start rather than than then trying to pick some of these things up later on but everybody just said well if you don't ask you don't get and you can frame it very politely and very gently you don't have to be pushy about it or stroppy about it or anything like that but if you don't ask you don't get that's really interesting I'm interested in what you said that it was
1: easier at that point can you
0: just I think why. It, I think it was a case of in for a penny, in for a pound. while well, we were sort of negotiating what four days a week would look like and what would look different in my job description. It felt like we might as well tackle all of these things <laughs> in one go. And I'm very lucky that I have a very good relationship with my chair of trustees. So I did feel comfortable that I could at least have that conversation. I know he's dealt with a lot of conversations in companies he's been involved in in the past around these kinds of issues. So for him, it wasn't a difficult conversation to have either. And that definitely really helped that we had that relationship.
1: This is personal and we will edit it out if you don't want to answer (laughs) it. But are you on four days a week earning more now than before you went
0: on maternity leave? No. So I think this is a tricky thing with four day a week pay. Sometimes people ask to be paid for their five day a week salary, but to only work four days. I didn't actually ask for that because I wasn't convinced that I would necessarily do the sort of compressed hours into four days. So when I originally said that I would like to go on to four days a week, I was prepared that I was taking a 20% salary drop to do that. The pay rise did then help, but it didn't take me quite back up to where I was before. But for me, the joy of having my Friday with my little boy makes it more than worth it. I wouldn't want to give that up.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't quite know how to ask the next question in the right way, but I will ask it anyways because I think it's really important to talk about it. We don't talk about miscarriage enough and you sadly had a loss earlier this year. Can you share a bit more um, to whatever extent you're comfortable with about your experience of going through this and how you handled it with your work responsibilities.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you've raised it and we've talked about this before because I feel very strongly that miscarriage is just an issue that's not talked about nearly enough in society and not even just amongst family and friends but it's hardly ever mentioned in the workplace yet if it happens to a woman can have such a, a big effect on both physical and mental health and earlier this year in the summer I was pregnant again really excited to be having a child, And when we went for our 12-week scan, I'd had what's called a missed miscarriage, which meant that the baby had died, but there were no sort of obvious signs of that. So our baby had stopped developing at about 11 and a half weeks. And I then had to have surgery to remove the pregnancy. And in the first couple of days, obviously, we were in complete shock and really, really devastated. I'd also been incredibly sick through the pregnancy. So had been really sort of struggling at work to keep going whilst dealing with the sickness. And then for it to all end in nothing was just felt really, really quite cruel. But I made the decision within a couple of days that I could either kind of fob it off to the team that I was just a bit unwell or something around having to have unexpected surgery, or I could actually use it as an opportunity to be completely honest with them and to use this as an opportunity to demonstrate that it is okay to talk about these things in the workplace. So I actually crafted an email which I then asked line managers to pass on that explained to everyone in the team what had happened and why I was going to be off for a couple of weeks as I recovered both physically and emotionally. And the response I had from the team was absolutely incredible. We're very lucky to have a very caring and supportive team culture anyway. But people were just so, seemed so thankful that I'd chosen to be honest about it and I think found it really inspiring. And we do have a team that has quite a lot of young women in particular and I always feel a sort of certain sense of responsibility around how I role model things to them and I really think for some of them although they might not be at that stage of life yet that it has sort of shown them that it is okay to talk about it and also that that leaders are human and leaders are vulnerable and leaders sometimes need support too and it meant that when I did return to work over after a couple of weeks people were kind and supportive and caring and able to help me as much as I try and help them. Mm. And were you always clear in your head that you were
1: going to be upfront about it or was it a thought process you went through?
0: It was a bit of a thought process but I think for me the alternative of telling them the truth or making up a, you know, I've had to have unexpected surgery and leaving it vague, the more I thought that through and imagined people speculating on what was going on, the more I thought actually I'd rather just tell them the truth. And I'm a big fan of Renee Brown's work. You might have come across a lot of her work on sort of vulnerable leadership. And whilst everybody's going to be different and you know there'll be, of course, parts of our lives we may not want to share at work, I do think the more you can sort of share of yourself and your story and your experiences in the workplace, the more that can make it a safe place for others to share too. And if junior staff members don't see their leaders modelling that, then why should they feel that they can share things in turn? So I think for the organisation, and it was actually turned out to be a very positive thing in terms of our team culture.
1: Mm. And is there anything else you would say to someone who is going through a miscarriage now, who is in a senior leadership role? There's no right mm. or
0: easy way to cope with this, but is there anything else that helped you through that period? Um, giving yourself time off if you need it so in the end my GP did actually sign me off for a second week initially that said one and then they signed off for two I'd never ever taken that kind of level of sick leave before but actually it meant that by the time I did go back I was just about in an okay place mentally and emotionally because I think as soon as you do go back in a senior role you know you do start picking up all the problems all the crises again um, you are just straight back in at the cold face and you need to be in a emotional place ready to be able to handle that as much as possible. I mean, I've heard some awful stories of people working for corporates who've had surgery for miscarriage on a Friday, just taking the day as a sick day and then being straight back at work on Monday with nobody in the office being aware of of what's happened to them. And I just think that's really sad that workplaces can't put in a little bit more support. And obviously that's going to be an individual thing as to whether you feel comfortable talking about it. But I think if a few people hopefully like me can start talking about it in the workplace that makes others think okay maybe I can too and workplaces can start to be a little bit more supportive around this both physically Mm. and emotionally. Because we don't talk about it people don't
1: know exactly well nobody knows exactly what a miscarriage is like I presume until you've experienced it and so it's really hard when you're in a vulnerable position already to explain that to your manager mm. and say, well, actually, no, it's not just a bit of a heavy period. You know, There are so many
0: assumptions mm. out there that need to, be, need to be challenged. I mean, people were quite surprised when I said I was going to need to have surgery because of how far along the pregnancy was. That was quite a shock to a few people that that was actually what it would entail and general anaesthetic and so on. Mm. I've spoken to a lot of people recently who sort of say I can't understand why are we still so secretive about it and there are some great examples of other cultures that are much more open about it where it is much more of a part of day-to-day language. I think the best answer I heard on it on a Women's Hour podcast is that the combination of grief and vaginas is an absolute British nightmare. (laughs) 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 And I think there's probably some truth in that. They are two topics that the British don't feel all that comfortable talking about and put the two together and it is that absolute British nightmare. But hopefully... You know, if more people can start talking about this, society can be encouraged to move on a bit and we can make it a bit more comfortable for people to raise these things. Mm, Absolutely.
1: I want to talk about well being as well, because you're you're the boss at work, so I presume when you're at work you are there one hundred and ten percent. And then obviously you've got your your family when you come home that you want to be present for. How do you find the space to look
0: after your own well being in that? Um, is, it,
1: is, that, is
0: that a question I shouldn't have asked? It's not always easy, that's for sure. One of my colleagues actually asked me the other day, do you manage to read anymore? I was like, um, a little bit. I've got a lot of half books on the go. I'm not sure whether I've actually finished a book for a while. I think some simple things that have helped have been just trying, if I can, to squeeze in a little bit of exercise. So what worked quite well for me for a little while was going for a swim on a Sunday evening, about half five. My husband would feed our little boy his dinner, but I could still be back there then for bath time and that sort of actually putting that in the diary as a regular slot of I'm going to go for a swim at five o'clock on a Friday, or sorry, on a Sunday has worked quite well to have that kind of space. Our workplace does a Thursday lunchtime yoga class. Now I can't say I get to it every week by any stretch, but I have it in my diary as a recurring item to at least remind me that it's on and to see if I can factor things in so that I can get to that but actually for me one of the things that most helps my well-being is just being able to enjoy lovely family time on the weekend, so trips to parks, taking my little boy to his rugby class, hanging out with friends together with other families. I just really try and enjoy those things on the weekend and and on my Fridays and they really help my well-being as much as time on my own. I want to talk about email
1: approach because I'm yeah. always curious how different people are handling and I, I'm experimenting with different approaches. Do you have a Clear cut, you just don't check your emails unless
0: you have a big event on Monday or a weekend or how, what's your approach? So I try not to check them on the weekend and on a when I leave the office on a Thursday, I actually put an out of office on to say that I won't be there on Friday because I I found until I started doing that, that I felt I needed to reply to people on a Friday. I would see the emails come in and would feel the need to reply. And since I started putting an out of office on, I feel much more relaxed just to leave them in my inbox to Monday. And I actually told my chair of trustees that I was going to start doing that. And he was really supportive of it as a, as a really good approach, just so that I don't feel I need to be picking up emails on Friday. I might glance at them, but I don't feel I need to do them. And I do try very hard to prioritise being back for better time as much as I possibly can and that tends to be as much as I can a phone free time where I'm not checking emails sometimes I do log back on again once my little boy is asleep and do a little bit in the evenings but certainly not every evening try and keep that sort of under control.
1: Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet but that was really critical in or that is really critical in how you combine your leadership career with your family life?
0: I think a big thing for me is not being afraid to talk about family life at work and I know some people really like having a strong separation of work and life. But my team love hearing how Joshua is getting on. If I ever bring him into the office, they really adore that and love seeing him. So sometimes my husband will bring him in on a Tuesday just to say hi to people when he's looking after him. And very occasionally, if I have needed to go in for something on a Friday, I take him with me. Um, and they really enjoy that. And I think that's really helped because it enables people to understand and actually see and visualize that sort of dynamic of your life alongside your your leadership journey. But I think I mentioned things around efficiency earlier. I think since becoming a mother, my approach to work has definitely changed around how I view my priorities, what I view as important, the things that I most want to get done during the day. And I think all of that has been really positive. You know, mothers are the most incredible multitaskers, always thinking of 101 different things. And actually, those skill sets are incredibly valuable in the workplace. And I think, if anything, have just sort of sharpened my leadership. Mm, fantastic.
1: I want to finish off by asking you about your favorite leader with baby, or by now, leader with toddler moment.
0: Ah, oh, favorite leader with toddler moment. I've got a few. I had a brilliant one with my chair of trustees. It was actually while I was on maternity leave, but was trying to do a bit of keeping in touch work. And about halfway through the conversation, the chair of trustees suddenly went, what is that terrible noise? And it was Joshua jumping up and down in his jumperoo, which I had him in in the corner of the room to try and keep him quiet. He was only about six months old at the time, but incredibly keen on jumping. And this thing was just sort of banging and crashing. Um, (laughs) He was very understanding about it, but it was just this brilliant, serious conversation about the future of action tutoring, whilst bouncing a child in a jumperoo. I think another moment was again. This was a keeping in touch day. I went to do a presentation to the team about our three-year strategy. and did it with Joshua on my hip because it was a it was a keeping in touch day, and I hadn't got childcare. And he he just uh, sat on my lap while I did the presentation, <laughs> and that was great. And again, the team really enjoyed it. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating we should take babies in for important presentations all the time. And I think that's the only time I've actually presented with him on my lap but for that occasion it worked and there was sort of no reason not to Mm. you do even though you say you don't advocate
1: doing it all the time but you do it a lot don't you you do bring Joshua
0: yeah but partly because the team seemed to really enjoy Mm. seeing him and I think as he's got older I've also realized that he is starting to understand more about what it means that mummy goes to work he knows the names of some of my colleagues and actually when I now tell him at home Mummy's going to work today he'll sometimes say the name of a couple of colleagues and go oh with so and so with this one and I think that's really important going in that direction as well that work isn't this sort of mythical strange thing for him but he can actually sort of visualize what that might mean I think that's very true and I do believe and this is not research informed but it just
1: my belief I do think it changes the dynamics when you have babies and children in a place that is about work so as you know, at Leaders Plus, thanks to the support of Tulip Sadiq, we've been able to take quite often and, and 40 leaders with 40 <laughs> babies into the House of Commons. That's brilliant. And to hear from inspirational leaders about how they've combined leadership careers with young children. I think it's just physically changes the dynamic of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So one, interestingly, people become a lot more honest mm-hmm. when babies are in the room. I don't know why, but it seems to so happen, you know, that I've never seen as honest panelists as for these events and I've been running lots of events throughout my whole career. And the other thing that seems to happen is that it just changes the paradigm. So when you have, you know, like when you, when I take Babies in the House of Commons, you bring Joshua to a senior leadership team meeting, it just makes it okay to be Susanna the leader and Susanna the parent and being a whole person. And I find that really
0: inspirational on quite a primal level. Definitely. I think the dynamics on this are shifting and more and more workplaces are slowly getting more open to this approach. But I think sometimes it's asking that question, well, why not? You know, what's the worst that might happen? The baby might cry and I might have to take it out the room for a few minutes or... I might have to feed it well that's okay I can give it a little snack in the corner or I mean I sat through kit meetings breastfeeding Joshua and again just normalizing breastfeeding in the workplace some people might not feel comfortable with that but I had some great kit day conversations with senior colleagues while discreetly breastfeeding in the corner at work and might not be everyone's cup of tea but the sort of why not question Mm. why shouldn't if someone does feel okay to do that why not Mm, absolutely
1: and one of our other fellows who works for quite an old fashioned energy company said that during her kid days she brought her baby to a big company away day and her chair actually came up to her and had a conversation and ended up getting to know her a lot better. I'm not saying we should all use babies as networking <laughs> props but it just shows that again it's it, you know it, it's an opportunity and actually it's really nice to be able to bring your children into the wider fold. I think we're coming to the end of our conversation today, which I have really, really enjoyed. And I I loved the excuse to sit down with you for for this. I've enjoyed it very
0: much too. Thank you. You are on social media if people want to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I'll give out my email address it's Susanna, S-U-S-A-N-N-A-H at actiontutoring.org.uk. I'm also on Twitter at Susanna underscore A-T, A-T for action tutoring. Fantastic. So a big thank
1: you again for joining us today and I look forward to continuing the conversation over the next few months offline and, and all the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you are on maternity or share parental leave or have a young child under three and have returned to work in the last two to three years if you don't want to choose between pursuing ambitious career aspirations and enjoying your young family then i warmly invite you to apply to the award-winning 2020 leaders Plus fellowship program the application deadline is mid-february and there are also some subsidized spaces available you will get access to senior lead role models develop a peer support network across sectors and you'll get evidence-informed support to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children obviously it goes without saying if you do have a baby you're very welcome to bring him or her along to our events and sessions i've been so pleased with the response to this podcast thank you to everyone who has been sharing it with their friends and on social media if you want us to grow our work it would be really helpful if you subscribe and review this podcast wherever you're listening to podcasts obviously five-star reviews are super helpful to reach the people who really need this content thank you very much and i look forward to next week